0: Hey, what is up, everybody? Jeremy here, and guys, I'm very excited for the conversation we're gonna have today. We have James Arthur Ray and Barciba here today, and we're gonna be talking about a story of redemption and really what it looks like to set yourself up for next level success. Because sometimes some of your greatest trials and losses and difficulties can be that next big step for that next big thing. So thanks for hanging out with me today, guys. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, Jeremy. So Good to be here. the the book you have coming out is called Business Redemption and I I'd, I'd like to kind of start there because I think that it aligns perfectly um with your story James and how and how Beresuba came into it. So, how is it pertinent in today's world and 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 what does that book mean? Well, let, let me just uh it it is out
1: and it's called The Business of of Redemption and the I guess the first thing that i should do real quickly we hear the word redemption used a lot in religious circles and i'm i'm totally i'm totally in alignment with that and yet what some people may be hearing for the first time is that if you look at the the simple definition of redemption it's to gain or regain something by paying the price Mm -hmm. and the reality is jeremy that there's always a price for the prize and the bigger the prize we're going after, the bigger the price we must pay. And so as we look at the world today, and I'm sure we'll get into a lot of these things, as we look at the world today, what I'm observing, what I should say we observe frequently, mm-hmm. is that everybody wants someone else to pay the price for their prize. Yeah. They want they yes. want the government to do it. They want the Democrats or the Republicans to do it. They want the president to do it. They want the economy to do it or the banking system. And, and here's, here's the, the real truth. No one will pay the price for your prize but you. And so that's, that's a real big lesson for all of us. I, I firmly believe that our country is in need of redemption yeah. And, you know, we may go into that today. I firmly believe, it, and we both do, that that our world is in need of redemption. Mm-hmm. And please understand, to gain something we've, we've never had or to regain something that we once had and we lost.
0: Yeah. So- and, and we certainly both have, have had a lot of experience in that area. So let me ask you this, because I, th- I think the thing that's interesting you mentioned there is we kind of want somebody else to pay the price for the, re- the redemption we're getting and it's i think that's really really important because we see it everywhere right like people wanting to get participation trophies for showing up or you know we want somebody to pay you know social security to pay for our life or, or these different things but the thing i want to go down to the more basic on it why do you think that is like is it people don't want to take responsibility is it like a scary thing or where does that come from in your opinion you want to
1: you want to talk to that?
2: Um, I'm I could go into saying that yeah people just don't want to accept responsibility. It's it's a, I mean for for someone to take responsibilities to say okay, you know my actions are the cause of why my life is so x me- messed up. Let's say, yeah. so that 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 in it, itself for people is a little bit scary to to accept and unfortunately in the system now that's what they've been breeding you can say i
1: you know i'm glad you brought up participation trophies because yeah. that's that's a it's a real issue yeah you mm-hmm. know and and even psychological research proves that even the, you know the reason we we give out participation trophies is because there's a lot of individuals who say oh we don't want to harm someone's psyche we want to have this inclusion yeah. but psychological research proves that we actually do them a disfavor we actually harm them more by not being st- straight up with them. I mean, I when I was growing up, I was not athletic. Bersebo was exactly the opposite when she was growing up. She was very athletic. I was not athletic. I was kind yeah. of a nerd and and I got <laughs> I got bullied in school and I've had all that experience and I was into books and study and and all of those things. Mm-hmm. And I you know, I went out for sports because it was a thing to do, for instance, and I sat on the bench and they basically told me you're not you're terrible. Yeah. And and I'm grateful for that. Going back to your intro Jeremy, I would contend that in in many cases, if not most cases, the things that hurt short term, the things that are challenging short term, actually become our greatest gifts if we're willing. When That's we're true. willing, to embrace them and to take responsibility. The first chapter of my book is entitled "I Am Responsible," and it's been a heavy burden to bear. It really has.
0: Well, you know what's interesting is, is I feel like the 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 biggest gift we can receive is re- realizing, you know, we're fully responsible for our life. But mm-hmm. I think at the same time, the scariest thing is realizing you're fully responsible for your life, right? Because then there's there's kind of nobody else you can blame. And, you know, uh, talking about your your sports example, um, you and I were very similar. You know, I I, I may look Mm -hmm. athletic now, but as a kid, I wasn't very athletic. And uh, my dad was somebody that he he played minor league baseball. So it came it came easy for him. And, you know, when when I didn't play well, he said, all right, son, we're going to catch fly balls for four hours and we're going to get you better at that. And it was about like my dad wasn't somebody to sugarcoat it. But I think. We've we're really doing people a disservice that that that's how it is in the world now, right? Um, right. I, I had seen a video that, that you two had done on Twitter about um, a house being a home, and I think when 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 you look at kind of where a lot of this stuff comes from. It's because we we've lost the family in a lot of ways. Because that's where this comes from, right? It's like, you know, your 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 parents give you these values. They give you these different things. They give you expectations. And we've lost that a lot. I don't I don't know if that's is that in alignment with what you guys are looking at? Very much, very so. much and, so. And <laughs> and you know Bearspa
1: and I uh have a, a few years difference between us. Just a tad. Just a tad. <laughs> and and so I grew up in a very different world mm-hmm. and a very different culture, if you will, than Beersheba did, of course she she immigrated from iran and and there 's a whole story in that one, yes. uh, but nonetheless, she had two working parents. My mom was home all the time yes. and and so, yes, I think what we 've lost is the family unit mm-hmm. the great one of the greatest challenges. That we face in today's world, in our opinion, is an, existen- an ex- existential, easy for me to say, existential challenge. It's a it's a crisis of meaning, and we've lost the the good and the God and the moral and the virtue and all those things that my generation, by and large, and there's always exceptions, sure. were were schooled in and nurtured in mm-hmm. and guided in when we were growing up and if you don't have that foundation it's it's a very very different world and, and you can you can speak to that because we have very different experiences growing
2: up yeah i mean as far as being different roles is we feel like i i can see because we're generation i'm like um, millennial borderline x-gen so
0: well I'll, I'll be 40 in a couple of years too so we're probably not that far apart. I I, I look like I'm 20, but I'll I'll be 40 in a couple years.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Good thing.
1: You'll be grateful for that when you get to be my age. You know, I I looked like I was 20 for a long time, and I I was like, man, I wish I could look a little older. And now I'm like, "Ah." (laughs) well, anyway, go ahead.
2: Yeah, but it's completely different. Like when he tells me about his childhood, I'm like, wow, that's like dreamy. I've only seen that on movies. I don't know. I have no idea what that would be like we i i grew up with the television and both parents working you know double shifts just trying to provide for the kids and 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 it takes away it, you you kind of because at home is you got your foundation it's your parents it's your it's your environment and when it's scattered and broken people aren't there that's where we start losing ourselves and you could go into a whole nother story of what that creates in all of us and and if i may add
1: and, and this may be somewhat controversial, but that's what we do.
0: Um, I, I think you, one you're going to find yeah, out I'm quite controversial, James. So yeah, it's one,
1: of the big, <laughs> one of the big losses, Jeremy, in my experience, my opinion is the loss of the religious structure yes. in our world. And, and, you know, people, so many people go, Oh, I'm not religious. I'm spiritual. And, and here's, here's, the differentiation, in our opinion, of, of those two, because spirituality is a personal experience with your creator. However you define your creator, that's up to you. Religion is a system and a structure of behavior to take you to that experience. And so here's the problem. If we don't have the religious structure, which this country was built upon, mm-hmm. I mean, let's face it, look look at our constitution. You look at all those things; it's it's replete with references to God, and and now we've gotten so far away from that that our younger generations don't have a structure. And if you look at what is happening in the school system, don't get me started. You know, I mean, it's it's totally programming and conditioning Mm -hmm. these young, confused kids. And and let's face it; it's confusing to be young. Mm -hmm. It really is. And and they they don't really know what to ground themselves into, and that's a big problem.
2: Yeah,
0: it's I I've I i do not know if you know who James Lindsay is, but I've had I've had a few conversations with him um, about schools, and I think a big part of it too is we see a lot of, um, you know, it's a, a lot of it comes from the from, you know, kind of the religious tones of uh, liberation theology, the religion being taken out of it, and that being used to kind of carry Marxism into schools too. So we have kind of a lot of these things that, that we're dealing with is we're, we're losing religion, as you said, which that's the, the morals and values of a society, right? It's why you do what's right and what's wrong. When it becomes overly personalized and it, it, you, it's, it, you stop caring as much about the group, if that makes sense. Yeah. It makes total sense. And, and, and take that over
1: and, dare I say, apply it to what is a woman or how do we define those things? Well, it all goes back and it, it it is like an epidemic that has has snuck up on a, oh. on us a little bit at a time. Because if you don't have have God and you don't have a religious structure, mm-hmm. then as you stated, Jeremy, it it becomes much more okay. Well, I'll define it my own way. Yeah. Well, now take a big leap. How do you define a woman? Well, I'm a woman if I if I feel like I'm a woman. Okay.
2: Yeah. I when mean, you take God out of it, you pretty much believe in anything. You, if You don't believe you, in God, you believe in anything. You can believe yeah. in anything. Yeah. And
1: and so so the big the big question is not is there a God. The big question is what what are we if there's not.
2: Yeah.
1: And and that gets really frightening if you dig deep into mm-hmm. it. And that's that's what I believe we're dealing with. One of the many things we're dealing with in today's world.
0: Yeah. It's interesting because I feel like the problem has multiple prongs. Like, because you know how Barisaba was talking about growing up. You know, having both parents working. You know, um, I, I had a similar experience. You know, my my parents tried the best to provide for me, but you know they worked because neither went to college or anything like that. And you know we have lost a lot of you know religion in this country. And I guess that when we look at it. You know, part of the problem is income, right? Like parents have to make things go because everything's so expensive. But how do we kind of fix everything, right? Because inflation's out of control. We're we're losing religion. Um it's it seems like there's only, almost too many things to grab. I don't know where where you think we start on that.
1: Well, I'm not I'm not an optimist. I'm not a pessimist. Sure. I, I see myself as an activist. I think I think to be an optimist is to see everything overly rosy mm-hmm. and live an illusion. To be a pessimist is to see everything dark and to live an illusion. Activism, or we could call it more realistic, is right in the middle, in my opinion. And I think as I look at the world today, what I know from my personal experience, Jeremy, and I don't know if you know how much you know about my story I know you probably don't know a lot about Beersheba's story because she hasn't written about it and hasn't been in the media. Like, I, I was literally crucified in the media, mm-hmm. literally crucified. And, and, you know, just months earlier, they loved me. And so I, I can relate much more to what's going on in the world today. As a as an immigrant escaping a war-torn Iran as a child, can view the world much more clearly— than a lot of Americans who have grown up oh. here forever, yeah, you know, it it's very it's a very hard pill to swallow. And so here here's here's my long answer to your question. I think the the solution is that we have to realize that you can view it from an optimistic standpoint and say, oh, everything is great and God has a plan and, and it's all going to work out. Or you can look at it from a pessimistic standpoint and go, oh, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. And the blending of those two is that what my own experience, and I think, Bear Sabu, you can speak to this as well, is that every significant breakthrough is preceded by a breakdown. It cannot be any other way. Now, the breakdown is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It's, it's frightening. It's difficult. And yet, there's no foundation from which to build until the old structure is broken down. And, and so it's not about putting Band-Aids on, on an old structure. No. We, have to, we have to really come to a place where we say, look, we got to get back to center, that's what happened for me in two thousand and ten when I when everything went crazy for me. Mm-hmm. I had to get back to this to center to my heart and to say, "Hey, who am I? What what am I going to devote the next chapter of my life to? And and what do I really know? And what's most important? Because I had lived my entire life. I feel like I'm hogging all the airtime here. I, I I that's what he does. I <laughs> I, lived, I lived my entire life chasing the God of money and materialism. Mm. And and I was just part of the system. That's, that's what the system has done. And that that road is a dead end, and that's where we are. We've got to get back to the heart and to the center to say, hey, it's not about money and materialism. Nothing wrong with with money or material things. Yeah. Those are part of God as well. But when we define ourselves and we live For those things and nothing else That's where it becomes problematic
2: Yeah, I think that's kind of what's happening in the world right now Anyway, is this breakdown Is pushing, like, I'll use myself As an example, before everything That's going on now, I would say Yeah, I'm I'm not a religious person And I didn't believe in having These boundaries and structures and this and that And now I'm beginning to realize how important It really is, and how we all need That in order to be Human, you can say and yeah, that's that's a whole other story. So as far as what can we do, I think a lot of people are waking up because of what's going on. They're seeing they're, this isn't right.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting because it does feel like I think a lot of things we knew are being shaken, right? Like we see what's happening, you know, with the economy. That's the the, the BRICS nations maybe, um, you know, moving to supplant the U.S. dollar. Um, we have for the first time ever a, a president, a former president has been indicted. Like things are really getting shaken right now. And it kind of, I think, makes us look even as a country like, like, where do we start? I don't know if you're familiar with uh, something called the fourth turning. Um, yes, I, I read that when I was in prison. Um, okay. So- <laughs> 'Cause it feels like we're in that we're in that fourth turning now is what it feels like. <laughs> yeah, I need to just have that line to drop. Um,
1: I read it the second time actually when I was on my dysfunctional vacation. And and so yes, we are in the fourth turning. And the mysteries, the ancient teachings have predicted this for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And of course the fourth turning is not a it's not a mystery teaching. It's it's more of a of a study of history and the idea that you can predict the future by, by looking at the past. And, and here, here's another issue, Jeremy. Why is it that there are so many people who are wanting to literally ameliorate the past, destroy the past? Let's take down all the structures, all the statues. Let's, Let's change our our learning system
0: books. Well, it's it's what they talk about in 1984, right? There is no past. There's no future, just an endless present.
1: The yes. people, a people with no past have no foundation to learn from
0: mm-hmm.
1: and to build upon. Okay, it just is what it is. Here we are. There's There's no lessons from the past. There's no learning from the past. You know, we're just picking up right here. So, yes, there's a lot of. There are a lot of things going on, and it sounds again it, sa- it sounds rather ominous and it, and it is and yet mm-hmm. I still say keep the faith mm-hmm. keep the faith because when i when I put out a tweet that's somewhat controversial which i'm I'm not afraid to do. there was a time, Jeremy, when you look at the personal development and personal performance industry, most of those people and And there may be exceptions. I don't but I don't know about them. I'm not a consumer, I'm a creator. And and so there could be people, but most of those in my experience are totally quiet about what's going on. Well, I might have been totally quiet too when I was when I was making over ten million dollars a year because it's really seductive to go, Oh, you know, am I gonna lose some of my my leverage And, and so on and so forth. Well, when you lose everything. You kind of get freed you you really become more free and 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 what I realized too, in losing everything external, not internal but external big difference is that it can go so quickly it mm-hmm. literally i my financial advisor met with me months before the the horrible accident I was involved in, and told me I could retire comfortably for the rest of my life. And I really believe that. And within a matter of months, it was all gone, just gone. And, and so that really is a, is a very poignant lesson of how most of us have literally sold our soul for something that is very transitory. Mm-hmm. And it's time, again, to get back to center. And that's, that, I mean, Beersheba and I are committed to that. And, and, and that's, that's really what we're advocating
0: how do we make that shift then? Because I know at least for me, um, like, you know, a lot of the the stuff getting crazy in, in 2020 was was kind of that shifting point. You know, it's I, I got to the point where I'm like, you know what, I've been doing this podcast for for seven years. I want to talk about things that matter, not things that, you know, it's just the latest best selling author or something like that. I want to talk about things that actually matter. And, you know, I got to the point where I was willing to talk about what needed to be spoken about. For for those of us out there what what is that is it an experience is it you gotta get to the point where you had enough or or how do you get to that point where you know you start saying okay well this is where i am and i have to respect you know kind of my own i guess moral compass on things it
1: it's not easy no Mm -hmm. it's not supposed to be easy if it were easy (laughs) then everybody Mm -hmm. would become awakened and masterful it's (laughs) not supposed to be easy you know one of the one of the great i've had six major mentors in my life and, and let me just let me define that for the younger generations, because and, and this is very important. This
2: is an actual person.
1: Yes. It, <laughs> you
2: know, it's not a YouTube video.
1: People call me their mentor on, on Facebook all the time. I've never met them. I've never talked to them. I'm not their mentor. All right. I'm 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 a teacher, maybe. But a mentor is someone you work with one on one. You don't watch their YouTube videos or you don't follow them on social media or read their books. Those are teachers; they're not mentors, and so I've had six major mentors in my life. One of them is was a Toltec shaman. His name was Don Jose Luis, not to be confused with Don Manuel Ruiz, who is a American author, well, a, a Mexican American author, and shaman. But he lived in the Andes, in Peru. Don Jose Luis and I I went back and forth and and spent some brilliant years with him learning the Toltec tradition. And again, long answer to your question, how do we get there? What they say in the Toltec is that most people don't ever, ever change mm-hmm. until they get backed into a corner mm-hmm. with a dagger right. hanging over their head. Wow. And that I like that because it's very visual and that's kind of how the Toltec, Toltec translates as person of knowledge. And that's how the Toltec tradition is. It just, mm-hmm. it doesn't pull punches. You know, most people don't make any change until they're backed into a corner with a dagger hanging over their head, and so that's why we believe that this is the most brilliant time mm-hmm. in history. It's the most amazing time to be here, and you know, I'm I'm older chronologically than both of you, and I can tell you, for me, there's never been a time in my lifetime where there's more opportunity to grow, to to expand, to become aware, to really get grounded than right now. Because yes. the fact is, and this is unpopular, and yet it's true, you grow the most in the crucible of challenge. You don't grow the most when you're smelling the roses and drinking the fine wine. You know, don't we all wish that, myself included? And sometimes it would be really nice <laughs> if we could grow the most and learn the most, sipping the but it, wine. But it's, and...
0: it's it's kind of the same reason a blacksmith uses a furnace, right? Like that furnace, that heat, yes. that fire, that intensity—it takes that that metal and makes it something else, right? That's where transformation comes in.
1: That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. And and that's that's what strengthens <laughs> the steel. Yeah. And and so that's where we are right now. And so the. The hard fact is that we have to practice alchemy and and that's a real mystical term I know, and yet let me make it real practical. Alchemy is the art and science of transmutation. It, it's transmutation is taking something of low value and transmuting it into something of high value. Taking something that appears to be trash and and transmuting it into treasure. and And it's not easy, it's not supposed to be easy. And yet, when you can do that, then life really begins to change. And Bershba and I, both—and I know I'm kind of hogging the air here today—you—you you should talk more. <laughs> um, but we both we both know this f- through personal experience, yeah. not because we've both been through the fire. And she, sometimes I think the fire she's been through is much more intense than mine. Mine's maybe more well known. But that'll of
2: recent years. <laughs> yes.
1: But that'll that'll probably change as as she gets out there on
0: podcasts like yours and elsewhere. Let, let me ask you this then, like, um, because how important is your relationship? Because I, I, to me, like if, if I wasn't in this with my wife, I don't know where I would be. Like, I think it, it is really important to have kind of the right person on your team. And I, I'm curious, you know, you, you talk about kind of where we're at in history and, you know, the great opportunity there is. But I think it's really important to be in it together. And I'd love to hear your perspective on that. Yeah, why don't you take that on
2: one, relationship? So. Relation. I mean, yeah, your partner, who you're with, is really important. They can either make you or break you. Um, we're yeah, we've we've built our relationship through hell. <laughs> I can say hell. We... I just did twice. So anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Seriously. Yeah, I mean, it was it wasn't easy. We've been together for ten years. Um, out of that ten years, we've been married three years now, and we we work at it. And you know, because of the fact that we work together, it's you can imagine it's it's uh it's tricky. It can be tricky. It's not all
1: rainbows and unicorns no, it's to not. with your spouse. <laughs> you know, for those of you viewers who think, oh, that sounds so romantic.
2: Yeah, it's so. It's it so can sexy. be,
1: but it's not always that no. exciting.
2: And we work at it. So we have, we actually have a relationship purpose and we sit down once a quarter, every quarter. We write down our values, relationship values, or relationship purpose, and we do check ins. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I think a strong constitution for a relationship is your values. Do you guys share the same values? Because if you share the same core values, then it will be a successful relationship.
0: No? I'm I'm curious yeah. with with ba- with balancing, you know, kind of the work and the business life, like how you do that too because I know for for myself like I do work with my wife and I which we try to make sure like okay like, you know, have I been a good husband recently or am I just working, right? Like and I think cuz it's it, you have to especially when you work together, it can be hard to shut it off. I'm curious how you guys balance that.
1: Yeah. yeah. Let, we we work real hard at that too, and and let me just say I I want to congratulate you because Beersheba and I <laughs> are for having a relationship and and yeah. for working on that I want to mm-hmm. congratulate you because the unfortunate truth is there's more people divorced in America than are married mm-hmm. right now, and and we both believe in the sacred the sacred bond of marriage we do, and we work
0: at it. Mm-hmm. So so what we do. And, and we're, we're that, that's key, up. by the way, the fact that and you both use the phrase working on it. That, like, that's key, right? Because nothing's ever exactly the same forever. It's either growing it or it's not. dying. So if you're not constantly creating yep. on it and working on it, it doesn't exist.
2: Yeah, if yeah. you're not growing together, you're falling apart, dying apart yes. from each other. <laughs> yeah,
1: you're either growing together or you're going apart. Yeah. And, and so one of the things, some simple things. First of all, we get up at 3 a.m.,
2: Every I day. get about 3:30. She gets You got 3:30. me by
0: 2 hours, man. 5 5 oh, a.m. Right. is my 4:30 or well, 5 is my waking time. You got me by 2 okay. hours. group, <laughs> but that's okay. So <laughs> you, know, you can be slacker. Uh, but people go, "Oh my god, 3
1: a.m. What are you doing?" And and there's a there's a method to the madness. First of all, when we work mm-hmm. in with in intensively one-on-one with people, we have something that we call prime objective. And prime objective is something that we have in our own lives, and the prime objective I'm going to suggest to everyone is that you have to take care of yourself first, mm-hmm. because you can't give what you don't have. Yes. And so, I, I get up at three. She gets up, and I wake her up at three thirty, and that whole morning time is is spent. We don't we don't do any work till before nine o'clock. So that's 6 hours before we we do any kind of work. So that first that morning we both have our mindfulness practice, our mm-hmm. morning meditation. We do our yoga. We have a sacred ritual called coffee time. And and we we sit at, at our counter every single day. Yep. <laughs> and we have our our <laughs> espresso in the morning at about
2: it's about Four thirty.
1: Four thirty. Yep. All right. So so we've already been up for an hour and a half, and and we've let we've let all the all the toxins come out of our body because we we're really big on being healthful too, and then we have our coffee and we talk. We we that's our conversation time, first mm-hmm. time in the day, and it's mm-hmm. as as sacred as a business meeting.
0: Yeah. It's
1: sacred. It's, it's on the calendar, and if you would have wanted to to do a podcast at 4.30 in the morning, which you probably wouldn't, um, we would have said, no, sorry, we're booked <laughs> because it's that sacred to us. And we talk about our dreams the night before yeah. and what what are the messages and is that just a, a processing or is that really something that mm-hmm. that God or spirit or our, my intuition is trying to tell me? And then from there, we, we go to the gym and we get our workout and we get our workout in and we come home. Mm-hmm. And we have breakfast, and we shower, and then we're ready to work by 9. Now, we're not done yet because we get dressed for work. So yeah. we dress like we're going to the office.
2: Mm-hmm. And we go upstairs.
1: And we go upstairs. <laughs> All of work, this this sound room, this media room okay. we're in right now is upstairs. Everything that has to do with work is upstairs. and And yeah. downstairs is our living area. Mm -hmm. So we get dressed for work. We don't wear sweats and we don't we don't dress sloppy. We get dressed for work. And then when the the day is over, we go downstairs and we undress Mm -hmm. and we dress for night for our at home time. And and so, again, maybe maybe a longer answer to your question but we we work at it and we we have systems and structures go ahead
2: we're very scheduled and structured we're very structured and scheduled so everything like he said is literally on the calendar
0: right we do the same thing it's it's a lot of shared google calendar events too um and we do our best i will say because i have children so sometimes they 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 jump in the way and they they demand their attention they're they're two and four um but I, i i totally agree with you like if it's not structured, it, you can lose it pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right.
1: And, and so many people say to us, oh, I'm a free spirit. You know, I don't, I don't want to live by a, schedule. by a
0: schedule. And I
1: promise you, I promise you, just check, just test us on this. You actually find more time and more freedom and you get much more accomplished and you feel much better mm-hmm. when you have things scheduled yep. because you get it all done. You get it all done. I mean we go to the we go to the gym first at it's at six thirty mm-hmm. because I know that if we jump into work it would all this of a sudden happen. <laughs> be six or seven at night and it'd be a long day and we go, Oh, I don't know, let's not let's not go. We'll go tomorrow. <laughs> so again, prime objective take care of yourself first, take care of each other first. Mm-hmm. And then you, you have a lot to give to the world.
0: That's. It, I think that's so important because if you're not doing well, then, you know, kind of, you know, nothing else you're involved in is doing well. I, I will say when I get back from my, my early morning gym, I do take a cold shower. So I don't know if you guys go that far, but I have he never been it. so awake as, as I am after a cold shower.
2: <laughs> I don't do that. Who does. Do it
1: there, there's a lot of research on that. It, yeah. it, it helps, you know, it helps mood. It, mm. it releases neural, um, neuro um, God what's the neurotransmitters yeah. which working out does too. Yeah. And it yeah, it's it's a good thing and you don't get all the the ugly stuff that that the world puts in the water because your pores are closed. You're like <laughs> Yes.
0: And and so you're not wide open to all those toxins that are in the water. <laughs> absolutely well well, i've really enjoyed this conversation for for people listening if they want to connect with you guys if they want to grab the book how's going to be the best way for our people listening to do that do you have it?
2: yep um we have a uh, harmonic wealth and they could get a free download of that of the audiobook and the ebook and the movie you could just go to harmonicsuccess.com uh, forward slash book
1: and that's my New York Times bestseller. so yeah. uh, it's, That's our
2: gift to you. It's our gift to you
1: <laughs> and the movie and the audio. Yeah. So, yeah, hopefully you'll, you'll benefit from it.
0: Yes. Very cool. Well, well James, embarrassed, I was really looking forward to this conversation. So thank you so much for, for spending the time today. And, and I hope you guys do come back in the future because this, this was great was work. Yeah. Thank you.